Welcome to the February 10th edition of the PFF Forecast. This is a great one. We've got Peter King on. He was very generous with his time um, and uh, talked about the Super Bowl. He had some stories about what Arians and Andy Reid said about the game. We talked about um, some of Kansas City's missteps, uh, how good is Brady relative to how he's been in the past. And then he makes some prognostications about where people are going to end up. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so let's rock. It's Peter King here in just a second, but I want to check in on you. You look good. You look like you've resuscitated yourself a little bit. I'm over it already. Good. How'd you, were there any, did you practice some meditation? What'd you do? I squatted like 375 pounds yesterday. There That's you go. You did. took yeah. the aggression out of yeah. the weights. I love that. I'm uh, rubbing off on you a little bit. A little. I mean, <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, it make it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were deserving champions. That helps, right? The fact that it wasn't fluky, you know, the, the a good team won. Um, it's also like the off season is going to be a lot of fun this year. I know we we've we've done this year's been a lot of of great things. You know, uh, the live show has been a great addition. Um, some of the things we did with with streams, props. Um, you know, there's a lot. Uh, there's it's very myopic for me to be like, oh, my favorite team lost a game and and to be upset about it when almost everything else is universally positive. Um, that's a good way to look at it. Very, very mature of you. Well, you know, which I, I think old. is growth, showing growth. I am old. I'm showing not, growth. I'm 30, you know, 35. So. You don't look it. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, anyways, we're going to get to Peter King. Peter King mentioned something on our interview that I thought was worth noting, which is, um, that his podcast that uh, should be out when you're listening to this, um, he had Byron Leftwich on there. So I'm actually going to go check that out. Uh, after we finish recording this, I would advise that you do so well uh, as well. I think it's the Peter King podcast. I'm mm -hmm. sure if you search that. I've been a guest that. on that show. You have. Like, You've I, been a guest and I haven't? I know. It's oh. crazy. So oh. like, I remember. So I was a guest on the show. You remember the, the game last year where the Niners lost to Seattle in overtime on yeah. Monday Night Football? I was on the show the next day talking about, you remember how Shanahan basically played for the tie? Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I told Peter about those things. And the funniest, the craziest thing is I had like three emails from people I went to college with I hadn't talked to in a decade who were like, wait a sec, what do you do for a living now? And it was like, I was like, oh, like Peter, you know, it was like, oh yeah, like Peter is, Peter's this legend, right? That like we've been watching on NFL films and, yeah. and Sports Illustrated and everything since we were like kids, right? And um, but yeah, it was a good, it was a good show. It was, um, it was simpler times. So simpler times when, you know, Russell Wilson wasn't complaining about his team. We'll talk about that with Peter in a second. Here it is. Peter King. Before we get to Peter King, have you ever wanted to give yourself better odds on winning a bet? Yeah, probably. Me too. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to do just that. All players who place a bet on Sunday night's basketball game between LA and Denver will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. So here's how it works. You join uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook, either on the app or online, enter the code PFF, and then place a bet on the over in this game. Everyone that does so is going to contribute. 1,000 players 
the over-under goes down a point. Another 1,000 players, under over-under goes down a point. So you bet the over, by the time the game starts, it's a, an absolute cinch, and you'll have a win, and you'll be rolling into the NBA season ready to go. There's also great stuff for UFC 258 this weekend. So go download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use the promo code PFF. Hammer the over in the LA-Denver game. And with all of our friends, we'll bring that total down. Give everyone a nice win to head in to spring with. The promo code is PFF. Remember that. And it, you got to do it before Sunday, obviously. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Missouri, or Virginia only. Missouri, I'm an idiot. Michigan. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Virginia, 888-532-3500. This podcast is also brought to you by PristineAuction.com. Check out their daily auctions starting at $1 and over 8,000 different items, signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees the authenticity of every product. And use the promo code PFF. You'll get $10 off your first invoice. Also want to tell you about all the great stuff on pff.com if you go there right now sign up for an edge annual subscription you'll get the draft guide version 2 just came out quarterback annual coming out next week and the free agency big board is up so you can go check out everything you need for all the stuff that's happening over the next few months because there is a lot the super bowl is one in the spring before the season starts so go to pff.com get yourself ready to rock for the off season and now we go to peter king Joining us now, our dear friend, Peter King. You may have heard of him. Football morning in America. Great column this week. He was in Tampa. We're not jealous at all. Don't worry. Not jealous at all that you were in the sunshine and we were here freezing our asses off. Uh, Peter King, welcome back to the land of the cold. Well, thank you very much, Cincinnati. That's kind of the uh, place <laughs> of my birth in sports writing, so... Worked there for five years in the 80s, covered Sam White in his rookie year as a coach, covered Boomer in his rookie year, covered Collinsworth. Uh, Collinsworth and Boomer used to uh, come into my room on the first floor of the dormitory at Wilmington College and use my phone. Because really? <laughs> there was only one or two phones in the entire huge dorm at Wilmington College. Peter. So, uh, anyway, yeah, a lot of great, great, great memories of Cincinnati. Peter, this is interesting because the Bucks just won a Super Bowl. Does Sam Weiss not get enough credit? Sam Weiss drafted three defensive Hall of Famers in his time in Tampa. Drafted John Lynch, who just made the Hall of Fame, Warren Sapp, yeah. and Derek Brooks. And obviously, Dungy elevated that team to where they got to, and then Gruden <laughs> took it over the finish line. But, like, in yeah. a career where obviously he gets the most love for his work here in Cincinnati. Like, the Tampa Bay franchise was altered in a positive way by Sam Weish. Oh, there's no no doubt about it. I think, you know, Sam in so many ways, he was a brilliant offensive mind, as brilliant as anybody I've ever met, and that includes Bill Walsh. Um, but in many ways, oftentimes, Sam was his worst enemy. You know, he 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 picked a lot of fights he, and all that. Look, I love Sam, and I saw him very, very late in life. Did a long story for NBC on his heart transplant. And just he's an incredible human being, or he was an incredible human being. But uh, I think because the team wasn't playing well when Sam was there, I, I don't think you see him up in any ring of honor there, if you know what I mean. You have any uh, good Collinsworth stories, young Collinsworth stories that we can hold over his head? 
um, only a good one. And it's, uh, you know, it, so Collinsworth and, and Turk Schoner uh, were, you know, ran around a lot together early on. Um, I don't know, this is maybe his third or fourth year in the NFL. And so I was the beat guy covering the team for the Inquirer. And um, it got to be Christmas, and I decided there was a, a boys' home. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of not fashionable. This was 36 years ago, 37 years ago, I guess. An orphanage in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lived right near it, my wife and I. And so one at Christmas that year, I decided I'm going to try to do something for these people. Uh, at you know the people who ran the orphanage and obviously the kids and I said hey maybe I'll see if I can get some Bengals to come over and all that so Collinsworth and Turk uh, and Sam all agreed to come over Sam did a magic show for <laughs> those who don't know Sam was a magician seriously wow. and he was really really good as a matter of fact uh, the first year uh, I got him to to pose for a photo for a big story I did on him for the Inquirer in his top hat and tails, um, <laughs> pulling a rabbit, pulling a rabbit out of, out of his hat. And like, literally I had to go to Beachmont mall. I don't even know if that still exists. Neither do I, but I had to go to what's that? I said, neither do I. Yeah. It's on the East side. It's it's out in Anderson. And, um, so, uh, I had to go to the mall to get a rabbit because I had this idea and I had to execute <laughs> And I went in there and I just said, hey, my name is Peter King. I work for the Inquirer. I'm doing this. We're doing a photo shoot today with Sam White. He's the coach of the Bengals and uh, he's a magician. And I wanted to get him to pull a rabbit out of his hat. I said, can I borrow a rabbit for like 90 minutes? And uh, so the guy looked at me. I mean, I think he thought I was out of my mind. So I had to leave my driver's license and a credit card there. And he said, you know, if you if you're not back in an hour and a half, I'm going to charge you for the rabbit. <laughs> so I I don't know what it was. So I basically the clock was on me when I drove away from Beachmont Mall. I hustled over to Spinney Field, where the Bengals trained at the time, over you know just over on the west side, and um, I took the rabbit in the cage into Sam's office. Sam said, you're serious. We really are doing this. I said, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> so I took the rabbit in there. Sam pulled the rabbit out of his hat. Michael Keating, the photographer for the Inquirer, got a beautiful shot of a sheepish looking Sam pulling a rabbit out of his hat. And I said, oh, this is fantastic. Thanks so much, Sam. I put the rabbit back in the cage, drove it back to Beachmont Mall with, I don't know, probably 20 minutes to spare. Wow. That's the story of me, the rabbit, and Sam White. <laughs> Man, and, and you can imagine there was a former ESPN broadcaster and two-time NFL tight end that could have really learned from that experience. <laughs> I was going to say, is that where Jason Witten got the idea? <laughs> yeah. He just pulled it out of his head, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, man. P- Peter, so this, this what surprised you the most about Sunday's game? something that would probably be 74th on your list Ooh, good. honestly guys and that is that um i was really surprised that andy reed had a half hour at halftime and his protection was no better in the second half than the first 
I how's that possible? I I think that's like that's one of the top on three list. of our like. Is I that right? Yeah. Because okay. to me, I thought this was one of the, if not the worst, Mahomes read game plans. Well, can we talk about yes. before before halftime? Look, I know the weekend took an extra ten minutes for Andy Reid, but he also had two weeks, Peter, before the game yeah. happened, and. Yeah. That... Well, I don't think he knew how bad Andrew Wiley was going to be. Really? In my, that's my opinion. That's all I can think of. You know, because I don't know how many times I saw Andrew Wiley single blocking Shaq Barrett, yeah. or or whoever was flooding in from that side. I just, I don't know. I don't, they just didn't do a good job of adjusting. That's well, that was you the wrote, disheartening thing. I think you wrote the Chiefs stunk. Hard to remember an Andy Reid team looking so shaky and poiseless in a big game. And to me, I wasn't – it wouldn't have surprised me if the first thing they tried didn't work. It was very clear that they thought the coverage that Tampa was going to play was going to be the same coverage that they played in Week 12, and it was not. Um, right. The fact that Andy Reid didn't have a B move even in the first half shocked me. But do you – Yeah couple things here. that contributed to that right though the first one was that the chiefs the chiefs third option or more third fourth fifth Watkins, hardman pringle etc utterly and completely failed them and it wasn't for lack of trying Watkins was a big spree agent signing hardman was a second round pick but unlike in the san francisco game a year before it they, they were unproductive i mean Mahomes put the ball on Hardman the first drive, and he had a step of separation on a deep ball, and the guy just could not track the football. And then yeah. I think the secondary part is, you know, we, with all this stuff coming up at the end of the week with, with, with Andy's son and, and the distractions and stuff, that doesn't excuse the two weeks that they had to prepare for Tampa. But I do think right. it, it does bring give rise to – the adjustments just ne never being there. And it was, you know, we were thinking, we talked about on our show, like there are going to be a lot of people live betting Kansas City if they get behind because it's the same story. I didn't have yeah. the urge to live bet them more than once the whole game. I watched the game and I'm like, this is over. Yeah, well, you're a nervous Kansas City fan. Yeah, what, but what's, what was your take on why, why they didn't have a beat move, Peter? I think it's because... Um, and this is just an absolute total gut feeling. I think they felt like we are better off <clears throat> with receivers, you know, four and five receivers going uh, intermediate and short and trying to hit them and make the play. But what kept happening is that, you know, so like, I thought this was interesting. After the game, I talked to Bowles. Mm -hmm. And Bowles said that we were determined to disguise everything we did. So everything at the start of the play looked different five seconds into the play, or four seconds into the play. And that really showed up, I thought. I mean, how many times did we see Mahomes look like he was going to throw, and then he's got to run out mm -hmm. of the pocket? You know, that happened a lot in this game. So I just really get the impression that, um, you know, they that they got many so many change-ups thrown at them by Bulls and by that defense. And keep one thing in mind. Okay, so we, we didn't really uh, – I mean, this is not about 
the championship games. But I thought, look, if you look at the last three plays that Green Bay had in the NFC championship game, mm -hmm. first play, we could all argue that um, uh, Lazard, you know, didn't turn around quick enough. Mm -hmm. You know, it's first and goal from the eight. And <clears throat> it looks like it's just this quick little skinny post or, or whatever you'd call that route. And he just didn't turn his head in time. And so Rogers, as Aikman said on the telecast, man, Rogers will be not happy with that. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that, I mean, even if that's complete and they uh, get the ball down to say the four yard line, the next two passes, in my opinion, um, I think you've got to put some blame on Aaron Rodgers because, uh, you know, obviously the, the second play he gets heavy pressure and the third play he got pressured too. But the third play, I don't know if you guys remember exactly how Devontae Adams ran that, but he basically kind of used um, uh, Devin White as as almost like a mile marker. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. was going to run to Devin White and then like run right behind him and then look for the ball. Well, Rodgers waited a tick too long to throw the ball. And by the time he threw it, there were two safeties bracketing Adams right at the goal line. And he had zero chance of completing the ball. Now, having said all that, I would have said that Rodgers should have run that third one. I'm not saying he would have got there, mm -hmm. but I am saying that at the absolute worst, it would have been fourth and goal from the three or maybe right. the two. And then there's a little bit of a threat of A.J. Dillon right there. A little bit, not a lot probably, but some. <clears throat> and also, there's no way that uh, if it's fourth and goal from the three or the two, there's no way that LaFleur is kicking the field goal then, right? But I only say all that to say that, in my opinion, most underplayed, underrated element everybody saw, I thought Devin White was unbelievably great in this game. Mm -hmm. But But everybody saw in this game with this, the way it was played, the secondary of the Bucks was massively better in this game uh, than the secondary was in the first uh, Chiefs-Bucks game mm -hmm. in yeah. Week 12. Yeah, they, they were. I mean, and they were healthier. Carlton Davis was not hung out in an island. Yeah. Winfield Jr. played really well. Um, Bulls, Bulls put him in a position to win, too. Like, he changed up the coverages he called. didn't call he a did. single snap of cover one man, not a single one. And all the touchdowns that KC had in the first game were against either. How many? How many hey, through. let me ask you this, because I asked him this after the game, and I said, I certainly didn't keep a close count, but I bet you only blitz like four, five, six times. How many times did he blitz in the game? I think it was five. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. that many. It wasn't that it many was, more than the than the it first was few, game. It was fewer than the first game. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the first game, he blitzed nine of fifty-four. I believe yeah, let me look at, in this game, I believe it was five or six uh, of 55. Yeah. But can I say... He was what, seven I times. Say one other, I want to say one other thing about, about the Chiefs, you know, when when we're talking about sort of how they played and what exactly happened. I, this thought occurred to me Monday, uh, thinking about the game. So I want you to think back to a year ago against San Francisco. Oh, yes. <clears throat> and you remember that 
midway through the the the, the fourth quarter it's 20 to 10 san francisco mm-hmm. and it's you know the 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 chiefs are in trouble they've got a second and 15 and mahomes throws the ball short to tyreek hill and do you remember because i and i only remember this because i watched on the telecast last week uh when i was just preparing for this game but do you know that you know mahomes threw the ball short to tyreek hill it was kind of like he trapped it Mm-hmm. And when he trapped it, you know, Aikman was all over him. And Aikman basically said, you know, terrible throw, uh, maybe his worst throw of the day. And then they've got to go away for a replay. So he comes to the sidelines at that time. And they think it's going to get over. They think the mm-hmm. catch is going to get overturned. So anyway, now it's going to be third and 15. Mm-hmm. There's seven minutes and 13 seconds, I think, left yep. in the game. And I want you just to remember right then. Remember how you were thinking at that point. I was sure the Chiefs were going to lose the game. (laughs) And I just kept thinking to myself that, man, bad game for Mahomes. This is as good as he is. This is he's never going to put this one in his time capsule. Right. Anyway, the whole the whole point I'm making, whole point I'm making is that the San Francisco 40 or the Kansas City Chiefs are five and a half miracle minutes from being a two-time Super Bowl loser playing lousy on offense in both games. They're they're halfway there. So in the fourth quarter of 2019 Super Bowl, they scored 21 points. In the other yeah. seven quarters of those two of the two games, they scored 19 combined points. I mean, they're they're and that like I come back thinking about this like they're fortunate to have won one Super Bowl out of the last two and they are fortunate you know Andy Reid again like you think about this and and this is maybe why end pointing and you know statistical things that are sort of like like we we thought Andy Reid got over the hump but there I mean what what was it that Andy Reid did against the Niners that was brilliant there was really nothing there he called he called but but that was what Mahomes asked for (laughs) yeah yeah you know but but in this game they had that same play but with like a wrinkle to it and the Bucks didn't didn't get fooled you know so it was it's interesting that you bring that up Peter because there are a couple things that stuck out to me comparing those two games the first is Kansas City was called for two penalties in that game against San Francisco they were called for 10 in this game yeah. against Tampa yeah. Bay. Yeah. One very notable one uh, in the San Francisco game that went their favor was George Kittle getting the called for at the OPI. End of the yeah. And I, I asked myself, and I asked Richard Sherman this yesterday, do Brady and Gronk get OPI on that call, uh, on that play? And I'm sure he said no. Of course. Well, and did, did we <laughs> underestimate? Did, yeah. So the crowd in Tampa, Peter, you could speak to this better than me. Yeah, the crowd point. in Tampa was profoundly Buccaneers, yes? Yep. And the, were this entire season and the entire last two years statistically, but this entire season fundamentally, no home field advantage. So we go into this game and we think, we, we think to ourselves, like, how do we even price home field advantage? We, we think that the crowd's going to be corporate. We think... And normally in the Super yeah. Bowl, they both stay there for a whole week. Right. But the Chiefs camp came in. You want to know why? You want to know why it was different this year? I'll tell you exactly why. Because 
um, I'd say 80% of the 7,500 free tickets to vaccinated healthcare workers, those people are from Tampa. Because, because they, uh, it was, it was just easy logistically to get them all to Tampa, Mm -hmm. you know, to get them in for the game. And, you know, they could just drive in for the game and go home afterwards. So it wasn't, it, it was, it was easier for the NFL. Now I'm, I'm estimating that it's 80%, but, but the point I'm making is there was logically going to be a lot more Bucks fans at that game than normal. Yeah. Well, and I would say, and I'm, you know, cause we were, at, we were at the Super Bowl last year. We spent the whole week there and you feel yeah. at home by that time. Right. Yeah. To me, the, the Bucks got the Super Bowl week to a certain extent, right? It's happening there. They are there. You can feel it in the atmosphere. There's still some media there. It's not the whole thing, but there was something. It was a lot more than nothing. Whereas the the Chiefs are freezing their asses off in Kansas City. We have the whole Britt Reed incident, which wouldn't have happened in all likelihood yeah. had they gone to Kansas City for the week or gone to Tampa for the week. It was almost as if that Super Bowl week exacerbated the home field advantage. Yeah, yeah the crazy part about this game, though, is there wasn't just one thing. So you, so the ref, the two calls that were kind of ticky-tack, the, well, the two calls that were like either the offsides on the field goal and then the 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 legs the tangling up mm-hmm. between uh, Brashad Breland and Mike Evans, that's 11 yeah. points. And the, the Tyrant Matthew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 11 points right there. Mm-hmm. That's not enough to make up the difference. Home field advantage is probably worth a point or two. That's not enough to make up the difference. Even Chiefs I, I, players dropping passes. Yeah, yeah, like, but I think it it was a systematic like failure. failure. But I also think we have to pull it back and say, the Bucks did. I still think the Bucks win the game if the Chiefs do a certain number of things right. They just played a really good football game. The Chiefs were second in the NFL in yards given up to wide receivers. Evans and Godwin combined for three catches for forty yards, and Tom surgically went after the middle of the field the way that other teams that have been successful against them did they they the the bucks got all those advantages but also played a dominant football game which i which i think if you're trying to like yeah. i mean it should bring it should bring bucks fans a lot of comfort that there's no asterisk to the super bowl everything was a win for them i want to ask both of you this question would san francisco have beaten this kansas city team with all of the advantages that tampa yes. had yeah of course what do you think peter Say that again. Would San Francisco have beaten this Kansas City team? I think so. Yeah, I think because, look, I think, you know, Bosa particularly, um, well, now now that I'm thinking, because I actually think Remmers, and I I haven't looked at your grades, but I thought Remmers did okay in this game. Um, it's just that I think Andrew Wiley was was terrible. Was so to bad. me, I, I I think San Francisco would have won because you know their pass rush and their front is very very close. I assume theirs was probably better at its peak, you know, with mm-hmm. Buckner in there and everything than Tampa's. But wow, Tampa's Tampa has has a very very good front. So I'd say San Francisco would have won, yeah. Yeah, you're right about – so Wiley had the Chiefs' worst grade at 36.3. Uh, Remmers was 59, <laughs> which 
in pass blocking was yeah. 40.9. I mean, the, the funny thing is we all got lured. If you watched Andrew Wiley play against Cam Jordan against New Orleans, the other game that Remmers was out and they had to shuffle yeah, it yeah. around, he played fine. And so I think all the worries are about Remmers. And obviously what ended up happening is the squeaky wheel of which we just gravitated to because of one freaking game. It shows you the statistical like right. infallibility yeah. of, of playing one game against one good player. Uh, you know, I mean, and you know, the Super Bowl, the, the lights are shining a little more brightly. Um, yes. Last, yeah. last Super Bowl question. Um, and I just, this just kind of dawned on me the last couple of days, rewatching the game, watching all of Tom Brady's stuff and you've covered Tom Brady and, and watched his entire career. Could you make an argument? This is as good as he's ever been. Andy Reid said to me last week, we were just shooting the breeze last Wednesday, I think it was. And uh, he said, I can't believe Brady. I can't. He said, I got some extra time to watch tape. And so I've watched a bunch of Brady. He said, he is unbelievable. I wasn't quoting. We weren't talking. We weren't anything. But he said, he is unbelievable how good he looks. The strength of his arm, everything, it looks good. My feeling, honestly, I I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I think Brady might be as good as he's ever been right now. And I know that he's had more spectacular years, and he has tremendous weapons on this team. But you look at how, especially after they lose 38-3, to and they are pathetic, to the Saints in that game in November. Um, what they've done since then, you know, after the Kansas City loss at home in November, uh, they're 8-0, averaging 34 a game. So much of that is Brady. So much is Brady. And he's not the magnificent mover in the pocket. Everybody knows that. But, man, I just think he did a fantastic job this season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you can trace Brady's career back to a number of seminal games. The The first one is the 31 nothing loss to Buffalo on opening day after they got rid of Lawyer Malloy in 2003. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think the other one is the loss to Kansas City yes. at Arrowhead in 2014. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. And I think this, the, you know, the, the, the loss to the, the, loss to the, the Saints, the, the, the second one, where they had no shot, yeah. right? And then they followed yeah. that up by a couple of games, like the Rams game was pathetic on the Monday night game. Like, the Chiefs game was, they, they show guts. At the end, but they kind of got, yeah. The question, the question becomes, who else could do that? I, the way that I would, would say it, and hmm. I thought it was interesting that you said that, Peter, because the physical stuff hasn't declined. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's gotten better, his arm's gotten stronger, or he's more flexible, or he can sprint faster. But the fact that he's maintaining it is incredible. And if you look at the, a lot of people have been tweeting this out, the pictures of him throughout the years, Peter. And I got to say, if any of us can find a way to age like that, we got to, <laughs> we got to make it happen because <laughs> my girlfriend sent it to the me. Side she's by like, side pictures of him and, and Mahomes. He looks younger than Mahomes. She was oh, like, crazy. is this in reverse order? Crazy. I mean, it's absurd, but yeah. what I will say that I think is the most impressive is to me, it feels like he's reached, he's been able to keep the physical ability at a, at a constant to where his mental capability, which only continues to grow and sharpen 
is able to make him even more powerful. And it's like he's reached a state of enlightenment where yeah. he doesn't have to worry about his physical stuff. He's found a way to keep it up and he's just sharpening his mind and his calm. But I'm going to give you incredible. my, I'm going to just give you, tell you one other thing. Like, I think he had his eyes wide open when he went to this team because he knew every year when he reported to training camp that Bill Belichick would have everything figured out. You know, everything would be set up for them to to be really good and all that stuff. And I, and so I get that. I get that. He got that. And I think he knew. He he wasn't naive. He knew when he came here it was going to be different. Probably with Bruce Arians' reputation, probably going to be a little looser. You know, everything was not going to be buttoned up. And I think that is something that he and Byron Leftwich, after their buy, really uh, – you know, kind of turn the screws on hmm. and they wanted everybody then to be totally all in. Um, and, and plus, you know, the other thing that happened to them later in the year, they got healthier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I had left, which on my podcast, which dropped about an hour ago, I talked Ooh. to him this morning and he said, you know, we just weren't healthy for a long time. Hmm. I mean, that's the reason they signed Antonio Brown. Yeah. They weren't healthy. So, I think there were other factors involved. That was my, that would be my point. That's interesting. I mean, the Chiefs got less healthy. The Bucks got more healthy. Yeah. No. Um, well, the Chiefs' right. health was similar to Tampa's health this year. Yeah. Got late bye, got healthy after the bye. And, and Tampa had more diversity. Like, they were able to run personnel packages that allowed them to take advantage of what yeah. Kansas City did. Whereas Kansas City on offense, they were like, we're going four wide, and, and that's what we're doing. Um, let's do some, uh, some look-ahead stuff because – I love Peter King, the prognosticator. Carson Wentz, his team next year. Chicago Bears. Um, I think the Bears will pay more than uh, the Bears have the 20th pick. Colts have the 21st pick. This is only a gut feeling. No inside information. I just sense that the Bears are more desperate and will pay more than the 20th pick in the draft to get Wentz. I don't think the Colts would pay more than 21. Maybe a little more, but not anything appreciable appreciably more than that incredible i'm here for it uh craziest but still realistic landing spot for deshaun watson uh i've been saying i think by the time the draft is held through draft weekend deshaun watson will not be traded it's just nick casario does not want on his football tombstone here's the idiot who traded deshaun watson you know, it, it, you know, he, I think he's going to fight very hard to keep Deshaun Watson. Now, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, the craziest place, I don't know. Is it really crazy to think of him going to San Francisco? I, I don't know. I mean, no. San Francisco would have some assets to sell. That's for sure. But um, they don't have the second pick in the draft either. And I think that's something that uh, would appeal to Houston because they could just sit there, take Justin Fields, and Justin Fields doesn't come in as an angry young man. He comes in as, hey, man, I'm gonna, I'm the starting quarterback opening day. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, okay, Russell Wilson, uh, his comments. Is it uh, more smoke than fire? Meaningful, meaningful, meaningful. Okay. meaningful. Because he's never ever said bleep, even if he had a mouthful. He he just. He is, he's the team guy absolutely all the way. And 
it surprised me when I heard him say that. And it says to me, honestly, what it says to me is Russell Wilson's unhappy. And now, that, I don't think he's getting traded, right. but I think he's unhappy. So That's he, what it said to me. So he wants them to invest in his offense. Is that what it's saying? In his well-being. Yeah. You know, John Schneider is a brilliant GM, but he hasn't been very good at uh, at finding the right offensive line for Russell Wilson. But also, in fairness, I'm sure you guys know this. You know it a lot better than I do, that he holds the ball a yes. long time, a lot of times. So he's going to get hit more than the average quarterback. But I think that they've got some fence mending to do there. All right. Um Last one, and we'll get you out of here on this. Arian's drink of choice post-game was what? Seagram's Crown Royal. Beautiful. In a, in a styrofoam cup with ice. Um, that's my feeling because the morning of the game, I said, hey, I'm going to need <laughs> you after the game. Just I, I texted him. He sent me a thumbs up with um, a whiskey glass, <laughs> one, one third full with brown liquid there you and go. i just thought i that's the reason i like this guy <laughs> he's not he, he he's not going to go changing for anybody peter king the reason we like you is because you're not changing for anybody but we thank you for giving <laughs> us some time thanks hey, peter guys, great being on with you thank you so much see you peter be well big thanks to peter he was very generous he went over with us like nine minutes um i promised him i would buy him a, a case of his favorite beer um to to get him to stay on but i thought there were some interesting things that he said um having just listened to peter talk about it having had a few you know days to let the season culminate in your mind what are some of your big takeaways i i thought there were some there were some things we should have thought about before the game that we just overlooked yeah. you know home field advantage was something peter talked about all of those uh, you know, uh, public health workers or, you know, that they, of course they're all going to be from Tampa. Like, right. You know, and um, I also think this is a big season. This will be a big off season for some, you know, so we're talking, we just wrote an article about um, Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown's going to garner a, a ton yeah. of draft capital because of this game. And I also think here's another one. Culture is going to be valued, I think, or however people define culture. I I dung on Bruce Arians like a number of times for things, for decisions he'd made and for inefficiencies in their game and so on and so forth. But it's hard to look at that. It's hard to look at that team and that coaching staff and not, not think about how culture, uh, you know, and we might just be overfitting, but it's hard to look at those things and not think, okay, I can see where that, I can see where, you know, I can see where the, the good things come from that team. And the fact that they took a bye week and basically just dump trucked every single team afterwards. I mean, they were in a position, remember the Minnesota game? Mm -hmm. They lose to the Vikings and they're like a trolley ride away from missing the playoffs. And they take that and now, and now they're Super Bowl champions. I think... I think there are going to be a number of things we have to evaluate. The, the one that I want to do um, before the next couple of weeks is this idea of, is wide receiver a weak or strong link system? Hmm. I've always thought it was a strong link system. The way the Bucks handled a, a strong link 
Green Bay team at the wide receiver position, the way they've really handled the strong link links, Kansas City team. Is that a is that a phenomenon that's been stationary and we just didn't evaluate it properly, or is that a situation where, um, you know, it really does matter to need well, a third and fourth and fifth wide receiver? But don't and it's interesting because you've actually what we've seen in the league is that teams like the Chiefs are running more nickel and dime, right? They're bringing more coverage players onto the field, so you could see where in the past having a you know, good one and a decent two, you could really find mismatches easily. Now coverages are more, you know, concerned with the pass. They're, Todd Bowles obviously yeah. was very concerned with the pass and executed really well. And it might be the case where now, kind of like what Shanahan talks about with his offensive philosophy, which is like, I don't need a Julio Jones, but I really do need four guys that can play because yeah. I need to be able to put them in a position and know that they can do what I need them to do. And in an offseason where there's a lot of good wide receivers in free agency and a lot of good wide receivers on the top end of the draft, the question then becomes, are you drafting Jalen Waddle to complete a wide receiver in core, or are you drafting Jalen Waddle to start, start a wide, wide receiver, receiver in core? core? Because again, and this is this might get back to the baseball thing with the A, like for example, the Moneyball A's. You could talk about a lot of teams, but... I think the way the Packers and Chiefs do it can get you to 13 wins because there's enough dumpster fire defenses yeah. and a number of bad teams in the NFL. But if you get in the playoffs and a team like Tampa can suffocate your first two options, like that's that's what having six defensive backs can do, right? You squeeze off both options and you need a third one. We talked about that and people gave us a ton of shit. By the way, we were right about Tyler Lockett like a yard less per route run in the second half of the last two seasons than in the first half. But you look at Seattle. Who did Seattle lose to in the playoffs? Yeah, that's a the very Rams. good point. And, they, and what do the Rams do? The Rams play coverage first and the front second. It's not that hard to squeeze two good wide receivers. You need that third guy. David Moore, as uh, Al would say, not the guy. Tampa Bay, same thing, right? The, Peter talks about that red zone uh, drive. I mean, the Packers only had the one elite guy, but if you squeeze down that guy and there's not, it doesn't need to be elite, but just guys that can't step up. Big failure by the Chiefs on Sunday. Underrated aspect is that McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins simply didn't show up for the game. I thought some of the interesting things that, that Peter talked about with guys in this offseason, saying that he does not think this is the second um, person who you know john gruden said this on the chris collinsworth and richard sherman podcast which if you haven't listened to it, go check it out um, for the tampering and all the other stuff um and gruden says he does not think that the texans are going to trade deshaun watson peter king doesn't think that the texans are going to trade deshaun watson before the draft is what he said that i could see this getting kind of messy because it to me it feels that deshaun watson has really put a stake in the ground his agent um, David Mugaletta, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not, um, is a hard line guy. And if you're ever going to make a stand, like this is the guy and team that's making a stand. So that could be very interesting. Um, Carson Wentz to the Bears. It, one word to describe Carson Wentz to the Bears for a first round pick. Carson Wentz is culpable in all the things that happened in Philly. He's not the sole person responsible, but he's responsible. If he goes to Chicago, I'd, I'd, I genuinely would feel bad for him. You'd feel bad for him, or who would you feel bad for most? 
Well, Nagy first. I think Nagy is along for the ride yeah. in many of these. I and look, we don't want to. I don't want to talk about people's jobs this way, but like this, there's clear like to be a part of a situation where somebody is literally just trying to keep the boat afloat for one more year. Right. This doesn't seem fair, and that's that's kind of what they're doing, right? And and doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I don't see it as a. I'll say this about Carson Wentz. I don't see him as that huge of a of a jump over the quarterback play that they had this season. Certainly his ceiling would seem to be higher than that of Trubisky or Foles, but his season last year, if you look at negative uh, rate of negatively graded plays and rate of positively graded plays, he and Josh Rosen are the only two players in that same boat in terms of rate of negatively and rate of positively graded throws it, it's like it's not good you know and josh rosen was a little worse in the extreme josh rosen might end up being the starter for, for the for the san francisco 49ers please stop please stop um sign an extension do, what what do you I, I hate to bring this up but he's a former first round draft pick what is the what is the long term out is he a is he a backup does he win a ring a la blaine gabbard another former top 10 top 12 ish pick like, is, does Rosen find a career as a backup with the Niners? I think he'll find a career as a backup if he wants to. Yeah, Because that's yeah. just the type of, like, guy that you can see. Right. There's, like, the Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert were drafted in the same draft, and Jake Locker pieced out, like, yep. seven years ago right. when he was like, I don't want to do this what anymore. What do you think Jake – do you know what Jake Locker's doing now? Uh, No. If you had to guess, what would you say Jake Locker's doing now? Like an actuary in, in like, really? in, in Seattle. I would, he's not coaching, right? No, no, he's not coaching. I, I'm guessing that Jake Locker is like really, really poor man's Jay Cutler. Oh, um, let me let me. I look. could even see him living in Nashville. <laughs> um, yeah, I I have no, I have literally no idea, but I could see he that is a co-owner of a fitness center in Ferndale, and began For, taking where's courses. Ferndale? And began taking courses in pick the pick the discipline. Uh, sociology uh it's anology <laughs> geology no it's a, it's it's less science more uh i don't know let's just say he could be an assistant in the easter bees uh staff coming up oh soon. no <laughs> really religion uh, yeah theology oh my god there's nothing wrong with that i'm just saying like you know oh no now i'm worried fitness and religion those things can be dangerous so so Percent chance that this fitness center is a CrossFit? Uh, <laughs> One thousand. I know enough people that do CrossFit to know that it's a thousand. So, percent. so Trevor Noah said that CrossFit was was Scientology with some weights. It it honestly it is. It honestly is. I I CrossFit gyms generally have great equipment, and yeah. so whenever I have moved to a new city, I've tried to find one that will let me use the gym without like you know during the off hours, right? Right. And uh, they don't like that because they're very much about you come to the class yeah, yeah, yeah. and like do the stuff. And yeah. Because like, no, if, the, if, the, squat, if the crowd doesn't know, George, while not being a member of these gyms, has hashtag played the game. I believe you are on like a leaderboard in like the D.C. area for CrossFit. Oh, yeah. I've done the, 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 competitions. the competitions. You, you have it like how would how would you do? You haven't gone to the church, but you got. But you well, like part of you the, fed the so, five thousand with the loaves and stuff. Part of the whole thing is they like want you to be, you know be a part of the community. Right, right. 
So I'm like, yeah, I'll do like I'll go do. The, I'm a competitive guy. Yeah, very competitive. I'll go guy. do the, a workout if you want me to. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna work out with you. Yeah. But you know, uh, that was that was our <laughs> fitness corner. By the way, I, I sorry really, we we drew, we went down this Jake Lock. I know. I really could use a gym with a real barbell. <laughs> I'm just in my apartment. It's brutal. Anyways, uh, you don't want to hear about my problems. We are going to uh, get into free agency and draft season. Um, maybe even talk some Super Bowl futures uh, upcoming here. So there's a lot of good stuff down the pipe. Um, have a couple of good guests in mind too for upcoming weeks. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun because I, I, a couple of days of rest, but it's time to start trying to win another Super Bowl right now. So uh, a lot of good stuff. And if you go to pff.com, um, the new draft guide is out. Quarterback annual will be out next we are, week. A lot of good stuff. Can I, can I just, we, we are a betting show. There's one wager that I like this weekend in the Tarleton State, McNeese please, State, please. FCS game. Feed me. Under. Okay. I already got like a, half, a point and a half a cleave on it. Nice. But but it's still, I think I still think 54 and a half is bettable. So there's one college football game this weekend. It's on, oh, it's 53 and a half now. <sighs> Look at all that cleave, George. Eat that for. I'm, I'm actually getting into uh, basketball season. I'm starting to yeah. sharpen. Did my... you see all the trades in the WNBA today? <laughs> didn't shockingly i did not <laughs> see the trades okay. in wba yeah um but yeah there, there are still sports to whet your appetite hopefully we can um continue to um give you guys coverage i i honestly like i i'm not trying to toot anybody's horn here but the draft guide is phenomenal it's i awesome. spent a, i spent a few hours just reading through it trying to um Sharp obviously because we have to we're, we're get, putting out our mock draft like march 1st or so i wanted to make sure that you know, I, I oh our mock is going hashtag to be, new the players. Hope you guys are ready. Our um, mock and is so you guys should all pick it up, uh, even though you missed the sale. Uh, it's still valuable, still worth it. By the way, I think if you try the promo code Super Bowl twenty five, it might work for you. I'm just saying, give it a try. Give Anyways, it a try. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging out. See ya.